chapter 6. Last week we began this, this little series that I'm going to be continuing today called Inside Out. You know, as, as God has called us and redeemed us, there is a work that He wants to do in each and every one of our lives. He didn't call us and He didn't save us in order for us to just remain where we were. I'm thankful for that. Anybody else thankful for that? That God didn't save you and He didn't redeem you so that you could just remain in the same way that you were, but He has called us and He he gave His life for us so that we could be set free from the bondage of sin. And with that, with that being set free from the bondage of sin, there are changes that take place both on the inside and on the out. And we are looking at the lifestyle of a believer. And in last week, as we looked at this, uh, this subject, we looked at it from uh, the perspective of us being the holy temple. We are, uh, each and every one of us, are the temple of God. And there was a temple of God that was constructed that God inhabited in the Old Testament. And I'm thankful that we still can feel that presence of God here in this place, here in this house. Amen. But, but he said, I, I don't just want it to be a structure, a building that I would inhabit, but I want to inhabit you. I want to inhabit your, your body, your, your soul. I want to come in. And, and we talked about how that, how that makes us alive. It quickens our soul when God comes in. But uh, here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13 through 18, I want to start with this here today. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? He, he begins here to, uh, uh, to, to give us some comparisons of, of why. Why we should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Why we should not uh, be going in the same direction and, and being tied to unbelievers. And, or we could say those who are in the world. Why would you do that? Because, you know, what fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness? What communion does light have with darkness? These, te- these things are different. They're separate. What concord or what kind of harmony does Christ have with Belial, that is the devil. What 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 is what similarities do we see? What harmony does Christ have with the devil? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Verse sixteen. In what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them, I will walk in them, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I, I think we, we, uh, we used that scripture last week, we read there, uh, but I want to continue on now to verse 17. It says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. question is, who is he talking about? Come out from among them. Who is, who is the them? We got, we got to go all the way back to verse 13 where he said uh, that we need to uh, not be unequally yoked 
with unbelievers. That's the them. He's, he's pointing back to that. He then just went through the reasons why you're not unequally yoked. So then come out from among them, the unbelievers, the world. You're not going in the same direction as they are. You would unyoke yourself, untie yourself, and start going a different direction. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Amen. I guess we have one more verse. And I will, or and will be a father unto you. You shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Amen. Is anybody thankful that we could be the children of God? Yeah. Praise God. What a, what a privilege that is. What a privilege it is to be the children of God. That uh, there, are, there are certain things that, uh, that come. There are certain privileges that come when you are the child uh, of, uh, especially the child of a king. And not just a king, but the king of kings. There are things that, uh, that, that you uh, have access to when you are the child of God that you don't have access to when you are not the child of God. I'm thankful to have access by just calling on the name of Jesus. And I know that he's there. I know that, that he is right there beside me. He is right there to help me and through whatever it is that I need. Amen. I want to look today at the lies. We'll begin here today by looking at um, some individuals in the Bible that we see who were living in the world and then God got a hold of them. He changed their life. He transformed their life. And he called them to live a different life. And they listened. They followed. We can start here with This man named Abram or Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, we see this this beginning story of this man named Abraham. This man that in in Hebrews, it calls him, refers to him as the father of the faithful. He's the man that kind of started this, this whole journey of faith. He's the father of the faithful. The Lord, he said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your kindred, from your father's house, to a land that I'm going to show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless thee. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless them that bless you. I will curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram, listen to this. As God began talking to Abram, as God began, began dealing with him and, and calling him out, I don't know exactly how long this process was. Maybe this was an instantaneous thing that God spoke and Abram, he listened. If, it was, if he was anything like me, it might have been more than that one conversation. Sometimes, sometimes God's got to work on you a little bit to, uh, to have some big changes May. Now, I, that, that really hopefully shouldn't be the case. You know, we ought to be able to just, as soon as God says something, we go. But sometimes we have some, some fears in us. We have some things that are like, I don't know if I'm ready to let go. And so I don't know the exact process of this, but it, it says that when God called Abram and he began to speak to him and he says, you need to leave your family behind. You need to leave all that you know behind. And then in verse 4, it says that Abram he departed. 
because the Lord had spoken to him. His nephew Lot, he went with him. At this point in his life, Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. Verse 5, Abram, he, he took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. We see this man of God, and, and we look at him, and you know, from from my uh, when, when I when I think of Abraham and and and, and this man, uh, you you would think that somebody who would listen to God and have this much faith in God would be a man who who from an early age was was taught who God was. From an early age, he he was. He was instructed in the ways of the Lord, and his father is pouring into him. But, but we see that, that that wasn't the case. It wasn't the case that, that Abraham's father was, was teaching him who God was and how to serve this one God, Yahweh, this, this God who, who would call him out to, this, to this, this place, this new land, this blessing, and then Abraham would just go and follow the voice of God. That, it wasn't from his father. In fact, Joshua 24, 2, this is how we know it wasn't from his father. This is looking back at Joshua, he said to all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, your fathers, they dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. His family, they served other gods. This was not... A, a God-fearing family. This was not a, a, a family. and they, they weren't living in a nation that served God. They weren't living in a society that, that, gave, that went to church every day. They, they had all these gods, all these idols that they, um, that they would pray to, that they would worship. But yet God got a hold of this man Abram. And he began to speak to him. And, and, and I'm thankful that there is there are times when, when there's, there's people that it's, you're the only one in your family. When we have them in our church today, that you're the only one in your family. But God got a hold of you one day. And he called you out and he said, you know, this isn't, this, this isn't about my father. This isn't about my mother, my sister, my brother. This is God in me. Well, this has to be a personal decision. And when God began to get a hold, and in fact, that's every one of us. Every one of us, whether or not your family's serving God or not, it's a personal decision. You can't ride on the coattail of somebody else. I would say often to, to the students that, that I, would, um, I was talking to as, as a youth pastor and, and say, you can't ride on the coattails of your parents. You can't ride on the coattails of your grandparents. But the same is true. You can't ride on the coattails of your spouse. we got to make a decision for ourselves. I'm in this because, God, you came, you gave your life for me, Lord. And as far as this goes, God, I will do anything. I will follow you when you say to go, I will go. God, I will listen to you. So we see this, this, this man, Abram. He goes, and when God calls him, when God gets a hold of his life, there is a very big transformation that happens in his life because he leaves everything that he knew behind. Everything that he knew um, for for 75 years of his life, and and 
And uh, at that time, it, it appears that they, they lived a, a bit longer, uh, just, a, just a little bit longer than most of us do today. He, he lived to be uh, a little bit older, but at 75 years old, still an old man. And God was calling him out, and he, 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 he left everything behind, and he began to follow God. In fact, uh, he, he goes to the point where he, he goes into a new nation and, and begins walking, and God says, everywhere that your feet walk, I'm going to give that land to you. We see this, this complete separation that he had from the world that he knew. A complete separation as God is following him, and, or God is calling him. In fact, it even comes to a point where, what, what did God say? What was God's instruction? He says, leave your home, leave your kindred, leave your family, leave all of them. There's one family member besides his immediate family, his wife, one family member that he did take with him, he ended up causing some issues. And there comes another point at, in his journey as he's, as he's separating that, that God, uh, that, that something is, is, is he's, he's enlightened to the point where he says, I, I need to not just, not just, you know, continue in this way, but we need to even separate from Lot. We need to separate ourselves. And so Lot goes, and then, again, as soon as that separation happens, it can, another separation of, of leaving the things behind that God is calling him to leave behind. God, again, uh, reiterates the blessing that he is, uh, is going to give him. And he says, look around to the north, the south, the east, the west. Everywhere that you look, that's all going to be yours. And there's a separation that takes place from Abraham as God is calling him to become separated from everything that he knew, everything of the world. He begins to separate himself. We see this same pattern, this same thing happen to many individuals. I want to look at this, this woman, Rahab. Rahab was this, this woman that uh, when, when Joshua and Caleb, they... Um, they sent two spies, Joshua, he sent two spies to go and to, to scout out the land before they went and, uh, and, and to battle against Jericho. And these two spies, they, as they come into Jericho, they, they um, are found out as, as being spies and they're being chased through, uh, through the city by, by these guards who are, are wanting to come question them and probably arrest them and and so they're running through the city, and they, they find this, this, this woman, Rahab, or she finds them, and she hides them. She knows about their God. She's heard. She, she says, we've heard about your God, what he did. We've heard the stories about the plagues from Egypt. We've heard about the Red Sea. We know those stories. We know how God has kept you for these 40 years in the wilderness. And so she hides them. And, and she, uh, she saves their lives, lets them free. But before she lets them go, she says, there's one thing that, that I need you to do. I need my family to be, to be saved because I know that your God is going to come and go, going to help you in, uh, in this battle against our city. And so her life is spared. But what's interesting is this, this woman who was a harlot, she's identified as a harlot. Not very... Not very godly. The lifestyle that she lived. Not, not a very godly lifestyle. But, but she was the one that saved them. She's the one that protected them. And she is saved. We know the story is, is, is she, she let the scarlet 
cord down her uh, out, out of her window. That section um, of the the wall was was saved, and and her family was was all rescued. And then we see this. Uh, this this woman Rahab. This isn't the end of her story because Rahab, this harlot woman, she becomes fully integrated into the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel, even to the point that we see as Matthew begins to go down the genealogies of Jesus. In Matthew chapter one, if you can put that up, Matthew chapter one. This is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham, he begot Isaac. Isaac, he begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah, he begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. Ram, he begot Aminadab. Aminadab begot Nashon. Nashon begot Salmon. And then look at this. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz. He begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. Jesse is the father of David, the king. David, he had Solomon by, who, by her who had a wife, uh, who had been the wife of Uriah. This woman Rahab, this woman who was a harlot, this woman who was as fully integrated into the, the lifestyle of the world as you could be. She comes into to this family of, of God, this nation of Israel. And, and we see the, 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 the integration that happens to the point that God uses her. And she, she has a child who becomes uh, a, a great, 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 great grandfather of, of Jesus Christ. Uh, he, this, this child of hers would be the one who he is in the line of the ones who, who would come and, 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 and so that Jesus Christ could enter into this world through Mary. See, as Rahab was, was a, a, a Gentile, she was, she was not a Jew. She, uh, in, in order to come into this, this nation of Israel, there were some expectations that would have taken place. There were some things that she would have had to do. In order to come in, right? they call this they call this a, a, a proselyte, the, the Jewish proselyte. Um, that, that word proselyte is a, a Hebrew word, which uh, really means a stranger, a foreigner, somebody who would come in. Uh, and even though that's uh, at first uh, that would have been just the context, but it, it came to came to be uh, this word, which simply meant somebody who was a stranger who would come into uh, and become a, a Jew themselves. Not just living in their land as a stranger, but would come in and adopt all of the Jewish culture and come. But when you did that, there were expectations. There were things that you had to do. It's really interesting as I began to study this out of, you know, what were, the, what were the expectations for someone who was, who was a Gentile to become a Jew? We see one expectation was that they had to uh, give a commitment to complete observance of the Torah. The Torah is the, the law of God. The law that had been given to Moses, handed down to Moses. They had to have commitment to complete observance of the Torah. And now really many of these other things, they could uh, just be covered in that. But uh, we could see. Uh, and and they had to be, uh, have full integration 
into their local Jewish community. They had to undergo a ceremonial cleansing of water baptism. I thought that was interesting. There was, this is we see that as John the Baptist, uh, what he was doing, there was, it was part of this ritual of, of, of water immersion. Um, the same thing, there was a ceremonial cleansing that anybody who was coming in to become a Jew, any, any Gentile that would become a Jew would undergo this water immersion or this water baptism. It was a ceremony that they would, uh, that they would go through. There was participation, an expectation of participation in offering animal sacrifices. When they married, they had to marry a Jew. If you're coming in, if you are joining, uh, becoming a, a, a Jew as a, as a Gentile, then you had to marry a Jew. There was a complete turning away from and a denial of your former religion. There's, this was, um, this was a, uh, an, an actual uh, event that would that would happen that uh, that they would they would go and and there was a a complete denial of everything that they had done before any kind of uh, gods that they had served before there was an event that would take place where they would they would uh, show outwardly we're turning away from all of that my old life is gone my old life all of that is done now I serve God. So well, why, why are you spending so much time looking at what it means to be a Jew? We're not Jewish here. Yeah, but it's the same God. The God of the Old Testament. The Old Testament fits right into the New Testament. It flows right into it. And the same things that happen there we see uh, taking place with us today as, as, as Christians. That there is an expectation of something. That when you go from the world into the family of God, there is an expectation of commitment to the things of God. To the and, and full integration into the family of God. There is, a, there is participation in worship. There is participation. Well, no, that we do. There is a complete turning away and a, and a denial of everything from the past. I'm not living in, in the past and in the present. Well, when, when I begin to serve God, there is a complete turning away from my old life, a separation that, that is expected to happen from the world. And so that's, that's what we see with this, this woman, Rahab. We see, we see others um, in, in the New Testament that their lives were transformed. I could, I could have a full list of of individuals, but let's look at Matthew, just quickly at Matthew. Jesus, he passed on from there, and he saw a man named Matthew who was sitting at the tax office. He said to him, follow me. And so he arose, and he followed him. Matthew, this, this man who was a tax collector, he walked away from his sinful practices as a tax collector. Why do I say sinful practices? It was just collecting taxes. Yeah, but when Jesus, likewise, when he, when he talked to Zacchaeus, who was of the same profession, tax collector, and when Zacchaeus begins to uh, turn his life around, and, uh, and, and I mean, it happens quickly, but uh, begins to, to change, uh, Jesus, he, he says about Zacchaeus, he says, this day, this day salvation has come to this house. 
on this day, there is salvation. And so there is a sinful practice that was taking place. It was greed. They were stealing. They were lying. There was unjust practices that would take place in, in his profession. He was an outcast from society. And he, he went from that, from being this man who was, who was uh, willing to go into, uh, even, even being a Jew, he was practicing things that were not, um, that were not right. And when God, Jesus got a hold of him, left all that behind. He turned away from his old lifestyle and he began to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. This woman, Mary Magdalene, this woman from this small town on the west banks of of the uh, Sea of Galilee, she was a woman who was demon-possessed. It says in Luke chapter 8, tells us a little bit of her background. It says it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city, and the village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. The 12, they were, the 12 were with him and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. She had been demon-possessed, yet Jesus got a hold of her. And when he did, something changed in her to the point where she says, I've got to follow this man. I've got to go. I'm going to, I'm going to minister to every need he has. Not just her. We see this, these, others, these other women that were there. But we see the background of her being one who was demon possessed. And she would go. And she began to be a devoted follower and a minister unto Jesus Christ. See, there's a, there's a leaving behind of the old ways. There's a, 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 a complete separation from the world. When Jesus gets a hold of you, you don't stay in your sinful state. You don't stay in, for, in your sinfulness, but you leave that. You become separated from that so that God can, uh, can, can begin to do a work in you. Amen. And the fact is that every single one of us, every single one of us are expected to be transformed and to be called out. Every child of God. 1 Peter 2.9 says that you are a chosen generation. And I once was just a generation. I was just part of the generation. But now I'm part of the chosen generation. When I came into the family of God, I became part of the chosen generation. He called me. He chose me. A royal priesthood. Is anybody in here born into a royal family? I am now. Amen. I wasn't on this earth, but I am now. And I'm thankful for that. I'm I'm part of a royal family priesthood, a a holy nation, not just any nation, but a holy nation. What does the word holy mean? Separated, called out, a nation that is different, it's separated, it's called out, a peculiar people. It doesn't just mean odd or different, but that means you were selected. You were, you were picked out by God. He, he, he looked at you and he says, these are the people that I have pointed to and I have chosen them. And you are a peculiar people that, he, that you should show forth the praises of him who has, what has he done? 
He's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. We are all expected to be transformed, to be called out. We are called out of darkness into his marvelous light. I thank God, amen, that I can be separated from my past. I'm thankful, amen, that we can be separated from the world. I'm thankful, come on, that we don't have to live in, our, in the, the, the dank, darkness of, of the, the past that we used to live in. But God, when he set us free, when he saved us, come on, there was, there were bondages that were broken. There were chains, come on, that fell off of people. Come on, that we don't have to put those chains back on anymore. We don't have to live under the sin that we used to live in. We're going to look at that. We're going to look at that here um, in just a moment. And uh, Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus chapter 19, um, we, see, we see this instruction. We looked at it last week as, as um, they were quoting it in the New Testament, uh, this passage, as Paul quoted this, this passage in the New Testament. But Leviticus 19 verse 1 says, The Lord, he spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say to them, Ye shall be holy, for I the Lord your God am holy. You shall be holy. Why? Because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And then I have uh, added to that the, the very last verse from that chapter because what he does through this chapter, if you were, if you were to look through that, he begins to point out different things that... that holy people would do. People who are called out. People who, because God is holy, he says, I expect you to do this. I expect you to do this. I expect you to do this and this and this and this and this. And then he goes on. Therefore, shall you observe all my statutes and all my judgments and do them. I am the Lord. I mean, whatever it is that God is calling you to whatever it is that God is revealing. Come on, we we ought to listen. This isn't about just a bunch of rules. Come on, there are some things, there are some lines that we ought not to cross, but there are also some things that God, He just begins speaking to you, and you listen when God begins speaking to you in your time of prayer. Because it's in those moments that God is trying to chisel away some things that he's saying, hey, here I am, I'm separated, I'm holy, and I want you to reflect who I am. Let's get some things out of your life because it's not reflecting me. This is really what we are called to do. We're called to be a reflection of God's holiness. Do you look like a mirror? Does your life look like a mirror? Because it ought to. Sometimes our mirror is, is all, it, it needs cleaned off. Anybody in here uh, have, have kids and in a, a certain bathroom that's like, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but we have, we have uh, one bathroom that's it's in between our kids' rooms and uh, and that's where they brush their teeth. They do all that. And I, I don't know how a mirror can get so dirty. The day after it was cleaned. And it was, I mean, just toothpaste like all over it. You've got soap and 
I don't know, things all, all over the mirror. It's all dirty. You can hardly see in it. And, and, and it's like, how did you get this? We, we just cleaned that mirror. And you got to go in. You got to scrub it off a little bit. You got you to make sure you, know, you want to be able to be able to see yourself in the mirror when you look in it. Any ladies, you know, sometimes you, you've got those mirrors that you, you hold up, handheld mirror, and, and you start doing your hair with it, and you get this hairspray, and all of a sudden, at some point, that mirror you can hardly see in it because it's all covered up with hairspray, and it's got this coating on it that isn't quite as reflective as, as what it ought to be. You got you to gotta, you gotta start to clean it off a little bit so, so that you can see yourself. Sometimes, well, sometimes we got to clean ourselves off. There's some, there's some areas in our lives that we need to clean off so that we can reflect God's holiness. That's what God is saying. He says, I want you to be holy because I'm holy. I want you to reflect who I am. God, when, when he says I'm holy, what he means is I'm so different. I'm so set apart. And, and he gives us all these examples of, of how he's so uniquely different. But he's saying, I am so different, so uniquely different but I, I, I'm expecting, I'm calling you really to that same type of thing. I want you to come and be different from the world. Be different from those around you. I don't want you to fit in with, ev- with everybody in the world. That's not my expectation. And if that is what's happening, then you're not reflecting my holiness. See, to pursue being Christ-like means recognizing that He is holy that consequently committing ourselves to a life of separation and holiness. Because when we do that, we're reflecting the holiness of God. There's a question. If we go back to that passage in, in Leviticus 19, which part of the congregation of Israel was commanded to be holy? Yeah, all the congregation. Does it speak this? commandment to all the congregation of the children of Israel. This wasn't just for a certain subset of the priests. He says, speak this commandment to all the congregation of Israel. We see the same commandment that's repeated to us in the New Testament, that every one of us would be called to be holy. Romans chapter 6, verse 20. Romans chapter 6, verse 20. says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. That kind of, I don't know, when you, when you read that, you're kind of like, wow, I'm not obligated to do right. I wasn't obligated to do right. When I was in sin, man, why, why, did I even, why did I even want to be set free from sin if I wasn't even obligated to do right? God doesn't have that obligation on me when I was a slave to sin. Well, here, because he says, well, what was the result? Now you're ashamed of the things that you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. So yes, you weren't obligated to do things that were right, but there was a consequence to the fact that you weren't obligated to do things that were right. Shame, guilt, destruction of families being torn apart, lives being being torn apart, destroyed. An eternal salvation that is missed out on because you weren't obligated to do do the things that were right. But now, he says, you are free from the power of sin and you have become slaves of God. 
It's pr- some pretty strong language, but he's, he's saying you are slaves of God. Now, this is a good thing because you're not slaves of sin. As slaves of sin, you were obligated to do the things that sin would call you to do. But now, as slaves of God, you do those things that lead to holiness and the result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. When righteousness and holiness are born of a purpose. There's, there's a purpose for the fact that we have righteousness and holiness. We do not seek holiness for its, just for the merit of holiness, just of saying, I'm better than, I'm different than everybody else. It's not for the merit of being different than, but rather it's to bring forth some fruit in our lives. It, it, it bears fruit. That holiness begins to do something in us. The fact that when you are separated, it bears fruit. It leads to something. What does it lead to? Verse 22 tells us that the things which lead to holiness, they result in eternal life. Better hurry up. Here's one of the things that we need to remember. That being holy puts us in conflict with an unholy world. As society around us rejects him, we ought to be drawn closer and closer to God. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 uh, tells us, he says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents or as strangers and, and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, They will see your honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Okay? We are strangers. We're foreigners in this world. We were never really meant to be here as permanent residents, meaning that we were never meant to. We are meant to be here. You are meant to be here. But you were never meant to fit in here. Jesus, he warned us that the world would hate us. Why? Why? Because you are not of this world. I'm a citizen of heaven. He's, he told us in John 15, 19, he, he, says that, uh, uh, he says that you will be hated of the world. Do we have John 15, 19? John 15, 19. If you are of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. See, Jesus, he tells us, Don't expect the world just to give you a great big warm welcome. Living for God, there will be things that the world will say, why in the world do you do that? Say, because I love my God. It's not because I'm better than anybody else, but it's because God... He saved me, and he called me out to be different. And I want to follow after anything that God would call me to 
Come on, this isn't about trying to get as close to the world and look like them and act like them and, and you know and all of that and live simultaneously in the world as, as and, and also be in church. It's not about that, God. I want to be as far away from my sinful past that I can be so that I can know, God, that I'm reflecting your glory. God, I want to clean this mirror of my life off so that I can reflect your glory in every possible way that I can. Here's the thing also in that passage. He says, in addition to the external adversaries, that the people in the world, there are internal adversaries. There's an internal foe that you have, and it's your sinful nature. Peter, he warned us, it was in verse 11, he says, abstain from fleshly lusts, these desires that you have, which war against the soul. You still have these fleshly desires and things that you need to tamp down, that you need to make sure, God, I need to get these things out of my life so that, or or I need to, uh, I need to keep this under subjection, under control, so that I am not going back into this old life that the world would accept. Amen. Here's our last point here as we draw this to a close. As a child of God, as one who has been saved, we become saints. There's this, there's this idea in the uh, in parts of church, church culture that uh, there are certain individuals that they would uh, deify, or maybe not deify, that's probably not the right word, but they would... Uh, Appoint them as as saints, as um, individuals that have gone way above and beyond, you know, uh, anybody else. They've um, done very special things, and and at some point, you know, long after they've died, they can they can become a saint. But the reality is, it's that that term is not it's not designated just for some select few. And we are called to be saints. You are called to be saints. Romans 1, 7 and 1 Corinthians 1, 2 both tell us that you are called to be saints. Here he is to all that be in Rome, beloved God, called to be saints. 1 Corinthians 1, 2 says that we are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Called to be saints. What does that word mean? Called to be saints. The word saint means one who is sanctified and set apart to follow after God. Amen. We have been called to live differently. We've been called to be set apart. Set apart to who? Set apart to Jesus Christ. We ought to call upon that name of Jesus. We ought to reflect that name of Jesus. We ought to carry that well. Here's our closing question for today. How has your daily life changed? since you became a Christian. Maybe that was a long time ago. Maybe for you that was a long time ago and you said, I, you know, I've completely left that life behind. Maybe you grew up in this, but, but are other things as you look over your life that you could still look at and say, Lord, I need to scrub this mirror clean. God, I need to scrub some things out of my life right now. Things that don't belong, things that Lord, I'm not reflecting who you are. God, I'm not, I'm not living this separated life from the world that I should be living. Amen. All around this place, if we could just lift up our hands. Amen. I want to just call upon the Lord here just for a moment as we close this.
Sunday school timeout. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you would just help each and every one of us today. Now, the reality is that we are the ones. We, only, only we know. I know each, each one of us, God, we're, we're the ones who know, God, the condition of where we are at, the condition of our mirror, the, the places, God, that need scrub, the things, God, that, that are not reflecting your holiness. Lord, you are holy and you've called us to be holy. So, Lord, help us to reflect that. Lord, help us to be separated from, to be changed by, to be, uh, to be to called out of this world. God, just as Abraham who heard your voice, he listened and he followed. He started to go down a path that was called out, that was different. Lord, help us to take that same step today. Lord, maybe there's somebody here just for the first time. God, they're they're contemplating, should I truly follow, Lord, this this new life? Is it worth it? I tell you, it's worth it. Lord, help us to see that it's worth it. It's worth it not to be a slave of sin any longer. God, it's worth it not to be held by the bondage and the the chains, the the shame and the guilt, Lord, that sin carries with it. But, Lord, help us to be set free from that. Lord, and and those even today, God, that are are chained, even in this this life, Lord, where they've been, been trying to live for you, Lord, I pray that you would set free. Set them free today, Lord, so that they could be set apart called to be saints. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus.
opportunity to sing, but let's actually just worship him. God, I thank you for who you are, God. Lord, for you showing up in situations, God, where I had no hope, but God, you were my provider. God, you were my prayer answer. God, I give you glory today. I give you honor today, for you are so worthy of it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated today. The ushers are going to come. We're going to get ready to take up our, our morning ties and offerings. Tell you what, I'm excited to see some new ushers. Thank you for the ones we got, but it's nice to see Brother Curtis up here getting involved. Amen. Such a blessing. Lord, we want to thank you, God, for this opportunity to give. Lord, we ask that you be able to bless these finances, Lord. Let them be used to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. We've got a few things coming up. Uh, this Saturday, uh, the ladies have something going on, and it's called flip Floppin' Friends. And I asked Sister Tara, I said, what is that? Because I have no idea. And she said, just show up at 1 o'clock, wear your flip-flops. There'll be some picnic food. And it'll be a good time. So ladies, uh, mark your calendars this Saturday at 1 o'clock. Uh, it'll be flip-flopping friends at 1 o'clock on Saturday. And then upcoming on the 28th through the 30th, uh, we've got our uh, Great Lakes Youth Convention. It's going to be down in Fort Wayne. It's going to be an amazing time. It'll be uh, three days of services. We've got some evening services and then also some day services. Um, so uh, even if you didn't register, you can just show up to a service. Uh, it's $10 per service. Or if you want to go to all of them, you can register online, and that's $45. Uh, it's for the youth, but I'll tell you what, you'll be blessed by it if you want to go anyways. It'll be an amazing time. Some awesome, awesome speakers. I'm a, I'll tell you what, Friday night, Brother Jimmy Tony's going to be there, and I, I'm pumped. I'm, I'm ready to go for that. And uh, something not so spiritual today at 3 o'clock, we will be having Ultimate Frisbee over at the uh, the sports complex in Kendallville. It's a good, uh, good time we we have some fellowship, we have some fun, and then we, we have some intense cardio and I want to go home and pass out, but uh, it'll, be a, it'll be a blessing. So I encourage you to come on out and join us today at 3 o'clock for some Ultimate Frisbee. And then if you want to stand, we're going to get ready to go before the Lord in prayer today. Sister Tina's got a, a heart test coming up on Tuesday, and she's also got a a special on spoken needs, so if we can remember Sister Tina today. And then also her aunt, uh, Debbie uh, Grossman, has kidney stones, and, and they're getting ready to do surgery for those kidney stones, so if we can remember her in prayer today. Also, Sister Diana is, is sick today, and Brother Rex is, is still not feeling well. And also Brother Cameron, uh, he was taken to the uh, after-hours clinic with uh, fever and sore throat. So if we can uh, remember Cameron today, that, that God would touch this, this young man. And if you've got a need today, we would love for it if you would come forward and let us anoint you and pray with you that, that God is able to, to provide your need, whatever it may be, financial, physical, emotional, God can do it all, amen? So Lord, we want to thank you, God, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, to bring these needs before you, God, knowing that you are more than able and capable of meeting each and every one of these, Lord, that you might be able to, to minister through these opportunities today, God, Lord, we're asking that you be with Sister Tina, Lord, as she goes in with her testing, Lord, that you might have your your will in this situation, God, you know that, that need that she has, God, Lord, we're asking you to, to make a way today, God, and, 
and her aunt, Lord, that, that, that's battling these, these kidney stones, Lord, that, that this surgery, Lord, that you have your hand upon her, Lord, that you might be able to, to be with them in that situation, God. We're asking for, for healing upon Sister Diane Willits and, and, and Brother Rex today, Lord, that you'd be able to be with them. And, and young Cameron today, God, Lord, that you'd be able to remove illness from his body today. God, we give you the praise, honor, and glory for it. In Jesus' name. As we pray all over this place right now, I think we're all given to the fact that we need him. I need him. I need him desperately. Every day of my life, I need him. Brother and Sister Kelly, it's awesome to see you here today love you praying for you believing on your behalf for a miracle because I know my God I need him there's nothing too big for my God but it takes action on our part. One, we have to realize that we have that need. And second, we have to pursue him for it. This is an old chorus, but man, it's fitting today. It says simply, I need thee.
something that you could use you thought I was worth saving so you came and changed my life you thought I was worth keeping so you cleaned me up inside you thought I was to die for Sacrificed your life so I could be free, so I could be whole, so I could tell everyone I know. You thought I was worth saving, so you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping, so you cleaned me up inside. You thought I was to die for, so you sacrificed your life, so I could be free, so I could be whole, so I could tell everyone I 
to praise him. We're free to praise him.
shouted louder than before. On the ver- I'm sorry, verse 2. I've taken it from I wanna to I'm gonna. Because it's no longer that I just want to and I'm thinking about it, but I've purposed in my heart and in my mind, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna lift my hands higher than before. I'm gonna love you more than before. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. You can just lift up your hands. Amen. As they're praying right now, let's just lift up our hands right now and just say, Jesus, I love you. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would just begin, Lord, to do a work. God, in every family in this place. Lord, that you would do a work, God, in these children. Lord, that you would help them to lead us. God, help them, Lord, to, to inspire something in us, Lord, to, to go and to, to give all that we have to you. Lord, I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus.
Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. We're going to just keep up, keep up right where we're at right now. Till he called my name. I'm so glad he changed me. anywhere else. Amen. Anywhere else but the house of the Lord. Amen. When you walk into the house of the Lord, there's nothing like, amen, when he just comes and meets us here. 
Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Amen. But you, I believe what we experienced is a bit of the overflow of some of our eight and nine-year-old camps where we had students that were down there this past week. And wow, seeing them come back charged up, amen, ready to lift God up, praise Him, amen. It was a wonderful, wonderful week down at church camp. We have one more week left, and you can be seated here today. We have one more week left where we have, uh, I believe it's three campers that are going to be, going to be uh, heading down to church camp this upcoming week, and we are excited for them. Uh, we have Devin's going to be going down. We have Kaylee and Alex. I, I don't think I missed anybody. I think that's everybody. But we are so excited for them, what God's going to do uh, this upcoming week. And uh, I, wanna, I want us to put our hands together for Sister Zucia Costa. She is awesome. She is just awesome. She uh, invests in kids all around the state of Indiana. Uh, has done it for a couple of years now, but uh, this year again, she's been down there for every single camp, staying in the dorms in these uncomfortable beds uh, and, uh, and sleeping there with, the, uh, with all these kids that um, you have to remind to take showers and um, put their dirty clothes up and even to change their clothes. I know from this past week, I had I had kids that I was I was helping. Um, you know, we, they'd said, well, "I've been wearing this for three days now," and I said, "Well, it's time to change, buddy. <laughs> it's time to change your clothes." And uh, but it is it is all worth it when we see them see them there in church and praising God, lifting His name up. Amen. What a wonderful joy that is to invest in our children. Amen. And it's all worth it. It's all worth it. I also want to say a tremendous thank you to everyone who uh, in this church gave and made it possible for our students to be able to go down. We had, uh, I know, many uh, different anonymous donors that, uh, that gave this year. And it's, it is an investment. It's not, it's not cheap. It's uh, $200 to to send somebody to camp, and I'm thankful, so thankful for every uh, individual in this uh, assembly that gave and made it possible for our students to go and to experience God in a mighty way at these church camps, and um, amen. I want um, Sister Tara, I think was it, she had something, just real quick before we get into... Um, before we transition to the service here today, she had something that she wanted to present. Can I have Asher join me? How many love our fa- the, our first family, their pastor and his family? So first I have to ask you, did you go on a shake walk this week? No. Good job. Good job. So you have something coming up this week, right? What's coming up? My birthday. How old are you going to be? Nine. Nine years old. Well, this church loves you very, very much, and we just think that you're amazing, and we're so, so thankful for you and your family, and we wanted to give you something for your birthday. You can open it now if you want. Just a little something for you to use. I might have sealed it, too. 
kids are growing up fast. So we um, just wanted you have a, to have two gift cards, and one of them is $30 to Barnes & Noble, because I think you like to read, right? Yeah? Yes? And you also like um, the Nintendo Switch, right? So you can get some games on there, okay? We love you. Thank you so much. He is growing up fast. He had a birthday. He has a birthday this week, but I also want to bring up three others here today because we had some other birthdays this week and we have Connor can you come on up can we have Eli and Devin come on up here too can you guys all stand up right up here so that's a lot of birthdays this week but these are these are I know he's saying my birthday is not this this week you had a special birthday this week because you were filled all three of these boys filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost down at church camp this past week. Amen. What an awesome time we had. And uh, this, that's the best birthday that you can have is to be filled with the, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The best birthday gift. Amen. You guys can be seated if you see them. Amen. Give them a high five. See, Devin, he wasn't even a camper this week. But uh, his family, they all came down to pick up Eli on Friday night, and uh, he's going to be at camp for this, this next week, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost at the same, same time as his brothers. They're all praying there at the altar on Friday night. Amen. What a special time that was. Praise God. Amen. Well, I am so thankful to have a um, wonderful, wonderful family in this church that they just invest in so many different areas of this church, and I know that I can always count on them and anything uh, that, that needs done. I can call on uh, Josh and Sarah Pekongi, and a lot of times they're doing things behind the scenes that you don't even see. Uh, we're so excited here soon. We're going to be getting our prison ministry back up and going as they're going to be allowing us to come back in into the prison and get that started back up, and uh, they've endeavored in that. Um, put a lot of effort into uh, into that ministry, but here today I'm going to have uh, Brother Josh who's going to come and he's going to deliver the word here today. Amen. Could we just all stand? Amen. As he comes. I promise we're not playing a trick on you, but you can be seated. Like, it's okay. <laughs> I appreciate it. Brother Bovee, I promise you have my notes before you... Uh, put together your worship set today because you sent those songs worth I need thee in freedom and that was pretty much everything I had to preach today so we could just go home right now if you want that's all right I did miss one announcement earlier Uh, I know it's a little bit early on but I wanted to make sure to uh, invite each and every one of you to my Independence Day party it's going to be happening this year on October 19th I mean, nothing makes me feel more American than celebrating my freedom on October 19th. And some of y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy, but it was the surrender at the Battle of Yorktown on October 19th, 1781 that ended the American Revolution. October 19th is the day that we actually won the victory. You see, it was on July 4th, 1776 that we declared our independence. 
But it wasn't until five years later in over a hundred battles that we, that dream of independence was finally achieved. A few weeks ago, as pastor was preaching on the 4th, I thought, why do we celebrate Independence Day on the 4th? I mean, we haven't even won anything yet. And God spoke to me and he said, you celebrate on that day because that's the day that you declared your freedom. It was the day that you decided that it was worth fighting for. It was on July 4th that a group of of men got together and they sent a message to King George. I'm not submitting to your rule anymore. Because under your rule, I've lived an oppressed life. Under your rule, I've had a life of pain and struggle. And it cost me way too much to be under your rule. I've experienced loss at your hands. And I'm taking a stand once and for all saying that you no longer have authority over me. But you see, simply declaring their independence didn't make America free. They had to fight for it. They had to put in the work. But they knew that their freedom was worth fighting for. And I love the last paragraph of the Declaration of Independence. It says, And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of the divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. On that day, they told their adversary, I'm willing to risk everything that I have to fight because I can't be under your control for one more day. You you see that word declaration? It means to make clearly known. No room for gray, but I'm declaring it. To state emphatically with emphasized force. It's not maybe, but it's definitely. It's unquestionable. That's what the word declaration means. And I think it's time that our church has a day of independence. A day where we look the adversary in the eyes and we say, you know what? I'm not living under your control anymore. Because under your rule, I've lived an oppressed life. Under your rule, I've had a life of pain and struggle. And it's cost me way too much to live under your rule. I've experienced loss at your hands. And I'm taking a stand once and for all today saying that you no longer have any authority over me. You see, I might not have won the battle yet, but I'm here and I'm ready to fight for what I believe in. I'm declaring freedom today. Freedom from sin, freedom from my past, freedom from addictions, freedom from my mind. I'm not letting the enemy control me one more day. You see, 2 Corinthians 3.17 tells us, now where the Lord is a spirit... And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That word liberty means freedom from control, restriction, and interference. And what God says is when you you praise my name, when you begin to worship me, my spirit's going to show up. And what happens when my spirit shows up is I'm going to unleash freedom. And the enemy's not going to be able to have any more control over your circumstance, over your life. He can't interfere any longer. When we allow the spirit of the Lord to enter into our lives, we can take freedom I think it's time that we walk in freedom today. You see, it's not just enough to declare that freedom today, though. We've got to be willing to fight for it. We've got to be willing to put in the work. And spoiler alert, sometimes it's not going to be easy. But I promise it's going to be worth it. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 1 and 8. He said, 
We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through through the providence of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. Because we have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. Paul said they were crushed and beyond their ability to endure. Anybody ever been there? Anybody just felt so overwhelmed? You're thinking, I just can't take another step. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. I've given it all that I can, and I've got nothing left. But see, what Paul was telling the people was, listen, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be easy, because when you're out doing the work of the Lord, you're going to face some life. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. And there are going to be days that you're thinking, Lord, I can't do this any longer. We're going to have some battles. And just when you think you can't make it, I love what he says in verse 9. But how did we make it out of those difficult times? We stopped trying to do it on our own, and we learned to trust in God. You see, they were bound by their own abilities. But when they learned to rely on God, when they allowed his spirit to enter into the situation, they allowed God to take control, that's when they were able to make it through it. What Paul was telling them was, what I've learned through the tough time is my God, he is a deliverer. And if he's delivered me once, he's going to deliver me again. Because you know what? I I love the fact that he says he's going to rescue me over and over again. The enemy likes us to believe that, that, you know what, he, he got you out of there once, but now it's up to you to do it on your own. No, he said if you will just continually rely on God, it doesn't matter what it's going to be. He's going to show up and he's going to make a way, but you've got to rely on him. You see, if we aren't careful, we get to that tough part of the battle. We get to that part where we feel crushed and we feel overwhelmed. And instead of learning to rely on the Lord, we're allowing the enemy to speak into our lives. You're not strong enough. Every time you've got to this part, this is exactly where you failed. If you just keep on going, it's going to crush you. This is the end. You better stop. You better turn back now. If God really cared about you, he, he, he would have called you to do this work, and, and you would have done it. But, but it's so hard for you. Obviously, he didn't call you. He called someone else. Why don't you let someone else do the work? I feel like we're just on the other side of one of the greatest breakthroughs. One of the greatest moves of God that the city of Kinderville has ever seen. And I believe that God spoke to me and he said, you know why you're sitting on this side of greatness? It's because too many of us are listening to the lies of the enemy over our lives. Too many of us are getting to the point where we can't endure it instead of saying, God, I trust you. We're listening and saying, devil, what do you got? Because this isn't where I'm supposed to be. This isn't what God called me to be. And instead of fighting for our freedom, we become bound by our past. We become bound by thoughts of inadequacy. And we simply don't believe that God can use us. God was saying, Josh, the reason why you can't move any further is because I've got some people that are still bound. Some people that need to break three today. Some people that are just stuck, bound by thoughts of inadequacy. I've come here today to declare freedom in this house today. I've come here today to declare freedom. God, we are exactly who you called. 
We are equipped with everything that you need us to have today. Enemy, you are a liar. And I'm not accepting the lies over my life today. Can I get just a little personal today? Just a little bit vulnerable. You see, when I finish my outline, I have spiritual ADD. And what happens is, is I start to write down scriptures and I write down thoughts that God gives me as I'm doing things, as I'm praying, as I'm driving, everywhere I am. And at, at the end of the week, I, I sit down in prayer and I, and I put them all together. And I got home from work on Friday and I told my wife, I said, I'm excited because I've got like 20 pages of notes. Legit. And I mean like 10 of them were scripture. I'm like, this is going to be amazing. God is giving me such amazing word for the church and I'm, and I'm trying to put it all together and and I'm like, this one's going to go here. And God says, no, that scripture doesn't go there. That one's for you. All right, well, well, this scripture's going to go there. And he's like, no, 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 that one's for you as well. And I kept coming back to this scripture in Revelation 12 and 11. And it says, and they overcome the adversary by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. God said, I'm going to overcome the enemy. And we're going to do it two ways. One, it's because of my blood that I shed on Calvary that you've got a chance. And the second thing that I need from you is I need you to share your testimony because we're going to overcome the enemy today by the word of someone's testimony, by someone getting up and saying, you know what? God did this in my life and he can do it in yours. When I was 16 years old, God called me to preach, but I started doing a work before God ever called me. And it wasn't about a position or it wasn't about a title. I I was doing the work because I loved God. I had gone through so much of my life already at 16, and I'd struggled with addictions and, and with depression, and, and God had delivered me from it, and I wanted to, to bring someone with me. I wanted to make an impact on my, on my world. You see, the group, youth group that I grew up in isn't one like we have today here. It was rough. We weren't on fire for God, and to be honest, most of us were only there because our parents made us come to church. They drank. They smoked. They did drugs. They battled depression. And we would go to camps and rallies, and I would see other churches and youth groups, and and they would be on fire for God, and they would run, and they would shout, and and God would bless them, and there would be gifts given to them, and amazing things would be happening in these young people's lives. God was growing them, and, and I remember looking at them, and I thought, God, it must be so lucky to be a part of their youth group. God, it must be so amazing to be a part of their church. They are so lucky that you you bless them to be there. And what God told me, he said, Josh, it's not luck the reason why they're having what they're having. It's because they're dedicated. Those are some young people that have put in the work. Those are some young people that have sacrificed, that have lived a life that that might not be fun at times, but they were dedicated. That's what the difference was. So that summer I made up my mind, I'm I'm going to church camp and it's going to be different this year. I'm going to be dedicated. And we had an amazing revival that started in my youth. My, my youth group. You see, while others were sleeping in early on, on the mornings, we set an alarm. And before breakfast was even served, my young people were in the sanctuary. And we were praying for that service. We were praying for camp. When altar call came, they were the first ones up there praying. They were shouting the house down. And when they were done, they looked around to see who else needs to be prayed for. Who else needs to, to have a breakthrough? Who else needs a miracle? Here's the thing. When... What I love about children's camps and youth camps is, is those kids, they've got one thing in their mind, and it's I'm going to go into the altar, and I'm not leaving until I get what I came for. And sometimes it can be hours, and you'll see young people on their face before God. 
I wonder what would happen if we got that, that mindset of a child again and would just get a determination to say, God, I'm not leaving this place today until I, I, I receive what you gave for me. God, I, I don't want it to just be my life impacted, but God, I want to impact somebody else's. God, Lord, who can I pray for? God, who needs a breakthrough? Who can I support and uplift today? Lord, let me be used of you. And man, we saw revival. We got home and... and I remember my pastor got mad at me because Sunday nights we would go in the prayer room before church and we would bring it into church. It was an overflow. And there was two or three services. He, he said, I, don't, I can't preach. There's no point. God's already here. What's going on? And, and we were on fire for God. And a few weeks after coming home from youth camp, my, my youth leader asked me to speak at a youth service. And at first I declined. I said, you know what? I'm, I'm not a preacher. I'm a kid. I'm not a Bible whiz. I'm, I'm just a young man trying to do all I can. You see, I thought that in order to be called of God, you needed an audible voice of God to come down upon you and say, Josh Bakangi, I have called you to be a preacher. There's going to be a big elaborate thing. There's going to be writing on the wall. There's going to be a definite, definite answer. But that's not how I was called. You see, I spoke on that Tuesday night youth service, and I just poured my heart out. I gave my testimony. I I gave my vision for what I wanted God to do in my life and what what, what he wanted to do in our young people. And we had this amazing altar call. And it was at the altar call that night that this still small voice spoke to me and said, that's what I've called you to do. That's what I want you to do. And I remember it was a week or two later on a Sunday night that I walked up to my pastor and I was terrified because I needed to talk to him about what God spoke to me. And I remember I walked up to him right after he preached and I said, hey, pastor, I I believe that God has called me to preach. And I'm standing there super nervous for his response and I'll never forget it. He looked me right in the eyes and he said, that's not the voice of God, son. That's your grandpa speaking things into your life. And it crushed me. But you know what? It didn't change my dedication. I still showed up early for prayer meeting. I was doing all I could to serve the Lord. And God kept speaking to me and he kept saying, I've called you to do this. I have called you to do this. My youth pastor believed in me and and he gave me another opportunity to speak. And my second message, I fell flat on my face. It was bad. I mean cringeworthy bad. Like I couldn't even go back and listen to it bad. Because here's the thing. I had maybe spent two or three hours before service that night preparing for my message. Because in my mind, I thought, if God's called you to be a preacher, then you're a preacher. If he's called me, then he's already given me everything that I need. And I'm just going to step out in faith and say, you know what? I'm a preacher. I'm going to do this. Just because you're called, just because your anointing is on your life, doesn't mean that you don't have to put in the work. Come on, now someone needs to hear this today. Just because that you have an ability that God has given you, doesn't mean that you don't need to put in the work and put in the sacrifice if you want to see the fruits. And it was in the midst of that failure that the voice of the enemy spoke to me and he said, see, I told you God didn't call you. Quit pretending to be something you're not. Just sit down before you embarrass yourself again. Come on, I believe I'm speaking to somebody today. I don't believe this is just a story for me to tell of my life, but I believe that God is, is ministered to some, somebody's heart today. God's called you to an area of ministry, and you're just sitting around waiting for it to happen. Nothing is going to happen. The enemy wants to believe, he wants to convince you that you don't have a call on your life, that you don't have a purpose on your life, because if, it, if you had a purpose, then something would be happening. 
There needs to be something happening, but you need to get to work. You need to get to the altar. You need to sacrifice. You need to put in some time in, in the word. You need to, to, to fast, to, to seek after him. It's not just going to happen on its own. When the founding fathers signed the Declaration of Independence, the British forces didn't say, whoa, did you read their letter? We got to go. We, we got to leave. The first step is accepting your calling, and sometimes that's a hard thing to do, but it's worth it. The next step is to say, God, I'm going to fight for it. Everything that you promised me, I'm going to claim it. I'm going to declare it, and whatever it takes, God, Lord, I'm going to fight for it. Don't you dare listen to the lies of the enemy and let him take away your purpose. Your calling and your purpose is worth fighting for. And when you get to that place where you say, you know what, I can't endure anymore, we can just say, God, Lord, I've done all I can, Lord, but I'm going to trust and I'm going to rely on you, God, because I know that you've called me to do this work, God, and you're going to make a way. Lord, you didn't bring me this far just to fail, but I'm going to trust in you today. But we've got to put in the work. Brother Caleb, I wish somebody today would, would just stop listening to the lives of the enemy and declare the promises of God over their life. Come on now. He didn't call you to a life of bondage, but God called you to a glorious purpose today. Amen. And I wish I could tell you that 16-year-old Josh that everything turned out fine, but it didn't. Over the next few months, I started watching after a young person, after a young person started to leave my church bound by addictions. And I went to my pastor and I asked him for guidance and I asked him for help and he said, I'll help you. I'll do all I can. And then when the push came to shove, he turned my back on me. He left me hung, hung out to dry. And I became bitter and I became angry at my pastor. I blamed him for my failed ministry. He was the reason that the youth group backslid. And as I turned my back on the church and went off and did my own life, I never took responsibility over my own actions. You see, God, I wanted to do good. God, I tried. I gave it my all. I had good intentions. But God, you and my, my pastor, they failed me. I tried, but you failed me. And for years, I allowed myself to be bound by bitterness and by hatred. And Pastor Tilsdale, Tilsdale said something in that cage series that spoke to me. He said, offense, that's an event. You can't stop an offense from coming. You can't stop something from happening. But being offended, that's a decision that we make. And we can choose to stay in that, that, that state of hurt, in that state of anger, and we can allow us to, to be bound up, or, or we can say that it's not going to define me. I don't have to be bitter, but I can be better. And I can, I, I can do something great, and I can take this, this hurt and pain, and I can give it to God and say, God, I don't know what to do with this, and he can do something amazing with it. But we've got to give it to him. We have to choose how we respond. Because if we aren't careful, we allow ourselves to live in a constant state of offense, of offendedness. I believe that God wants to use some people here today, but he can't use us because we're bound by bitterness and unforgiveness. We're allowing our past hurts, our past struggles to dictate our future. Luke 4, 4 and 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the overcoming of the sights of the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And that last part doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I get why you preach deliverance to the captive, because they're bound. 
But why set at liberty them that are bruised? You don't need freedom from a bruise. What Brother Tilsdale said, past bruises, if we're not careful, can become our present prisons. If we aren't careful, we spend too much time focused on the bruises and on the pain in our life that we can't allow God to, to move forward with our future because we're focusing on that, that, that pain, that bruise. We need to pray for those that hurt us today. I know that's not an easy thing to hear, so I'm going to say it one more time. We need to pray for those that hurt us today. In that Cage series, we heard the testimony of Brother Mallory, who was beaten for years as a child by his father, but who was also his pastor. And for years, he suffered physical and verbal abuse before he finally escapes his home and begins to preach the word of the Lord. And as he was, went out onto the, the mission field, he began to start praying for forgiveness. He started praying for his father, started praying for his abuser, for the person that hurt him. And he said, when I started praying for blessings upon the person that caused me so much pain, that's when God unlocked the miraculous in my ministry. He says there were miracles that were done. There were blind eyes that were restored. There was healings that, that, that happened. And none of that would have ever happened if I wouldn't have came out of my bondage of unforgiveness. And he said that. I'm like, well, yeah, but I've, I've always forgiven everybody in my past that's hurt me. And then they said one more thing, and they said, if you can still feel it, God hasn't healed you of it. If you think about that person or that situation, and the mere thought of it causes your attitude to shift to anger, God hasn't healed you of it yet. If you feel the urgency to slander someone when you hear their name, when you jump at the chance to put someone down because they hurt you and you want to hurt their reputation, you haven't given it to God yet. You're still bound. I'm speaking to somebody today that says, Lord, I'm free, but God's saying, no, there's that thing that, that, that you're still bound by. But you're like saying, but, but, but God, I, I have a reason to be bound by this. They're justified anger and bitterness, but God says, it doesn't matter what you think is justified. I can't do anything with your future unless you release your past and you free yourself from it. And I'd love to tell you that if you came to an altar today, and you let God deliver you out of the bondage of unforgiveness, then a magical switch happens, and you'll never suffer another offense the rest of your life. But the truth is, life happens. But we've got to remember what Paul said to Corinth. He said, when I learned to trust in the Lord, he rescued me again and again and again. God, I can't stop the offense from happening, Lord, but I can, I can change how I respond to it today, Lord. I can give it to you. Lord, I don't have to be bitter anymore, God. I can give it to you, and I, I can let you, all this pain, Lord, all this anger, Lord, you can take it and you can turn it into something beautiful today if I just give it to you. Because here's the kicker. When the enemy has been successful in our past with something, he's going to go right back to it time and time again. I bet they haven't learned anything yet. I bet I can get them to stumble one more time. And I'm speaking to... From, from personal experience today. The past few months have been a struggle. The enemy has made me feel inadequate in every way, in my ministry, in my personal life. Even the smallest thing that, that, 
that that would come my way, the enemy would just use it to attack me and put thoughts and words into my mind. You're dropping the ball again, Brother Josh. Maybe this time God will actually call somebody that will get the job done because no matter how hard you try, no matter how much time, energy, resources you devote to it, you're achieving nothing. You're just a big ball of failure. And I allow myself to be offended by everything. Anything anyone said that, that, that could be taken the wrong way or they, they did that could be taken the wrong way, I got mad at people because that was my defense mechanism. I was looking at somebody to blame for the reason why I'm hurting, looking for somebody to blame and before I knew it, I allowed myself to be bound by, by frustration and bitterness. And the lies of the enemy just kept talking to me. You remember the last time you took too much on? You failed. You lost your youth group. You lost your anointing. Nothing's changed. It's just a few years later. It's only a matter of time. Any slight disappointment? Say, God doesn't care about you, see? And here's the dangerous part is I would look at how God was blessing everyone else around me. While I'm struggling, and I allow my mind to listen and to dwell on these lies that the enemy was speaking over me. And what's worse is I begin to speak them out to others. And as I said them out loud, I truly began to believe them. Don't you give life to the lies of the enemy. Come on, I'm speaking to somebody today. You rebuke those lies, those thoughts, they're not of God. They have no place in my life. You see, on Father's Day, I put my kids to bed, and I just began to weep before my wife. I said, I'm struggling. I, I, I've done all I can. I'm trying my best. I can't take it anymore. I just feel worthless. I feel overlooked. I feel forgotten. I'm stuck in this funk, and I don't know how to get out of it. And I apologized to her because I said, I don't know how long it's going to take for me to get out of this. And I know it's just the enemy, and you can say it's just the enemy, but that doesn't make it any easier to go through. I just have to accept where I am right now. But there was something that, that God spoke in that, that cage series that freed me from the lies that the enemy was speaking over my life. <laughs> Brother Todd Johnson was, said he was standing in front of an impossible situation. He's about to lose his church to foreclosure. And he's tried everything and every way to save it without success. Feels like a failure. It's only a matter of weeks before they come and close the doors and they've got nowhere to go. But on Sunday mornings, he got up there and he still preached faith and he still preached how God can do the impossible. But he said, but I didn't believe it. He said, though I didn't believe it, even though my heart was doubting it, I still spoke the promises of God. You see, I might not feel it yet, but that's not going to stop me from declaring it. God, <laughs> I, I don't feel strong enough, but I'm going to say, Lord, you're going to give me strength today. God, I feel bad today, but God, I'm going to say, you, you set captives free, God, today. I'm going to speak the promises of God over my life until my heart begins to realize it. God provided that, that church a check for $1.5 million from an atheist, and that church was saved because somebody spoke promises, spoke faith, even when they didn't believe it. I'm speaking to someone today. Someone who says, I've given up. There's no hope. You don't have to accept your circumstance today. You don't have to accept the lies that the enemy's trying to speak into existence today. You need to learn to speak some faith today.
You need to come to an altar and you need to declare freedom. I see. I might not believe it, and I might be hurt, and I might be going through a, a battle. But God, I'm going to keep declaring your promises until I see you show up. Because God, when I've done all that I can endure, God, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to believe in you today. You don't have to accept pain. You don't have to accept struggles in your life. You don't have to accept the doubt and the fear today, but you can declare freedom over it. If the music wants to come, I'll be getting too close. Over the course of the American Revolution, George Washington lost more battles than he ever won. But he never surrendered his troops. And he maintained a fighting force in the face of the British armies. He never stopped fighting for the American cause. American became a nation because it didn't matter how impossible the situation looked. Someone said, you know what, I'm still going to fight. Because what I'm fighting for, it's too important for me to surrender. Come on, I'm speaking to somebody today. You fought things in the past and it didn't go your way. And the enemy's trying to, to tell you that he's won, that it's over. But I'm here to declare to the enemy, as long as I'm still fighting, it's not over. As long as I can declare freedom in my life, you have no authority over me today. I'm going to put in some work today. It's not just going to happen. I know it's going to be hard and it's going to be a struggle, but it's going to be worth it. Because you see, my family, my friends, the next generation are worth fighting for. Oh, I wish someone would stand to their feet and just declare freedom in this house today declare freedom over generational curses that have bound you for too long freedom over addictions freedom over my past freedom over my thoughts God I'm giving it all to you today oh I wish someone would just declare it today you don't have to live under the rule of the enemy any longer because under his rule I've lived a depressed life I've lost too much I paid too big of a cost. I'm taking back my authority today. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, 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 break every chain. 
Jesus. 